Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome to the Science of Magic, a place where science and magic come together to transform fact into evolving truth. We're coming to you through the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and can also be found on our website, www.thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring, do you love me? Love. We all seek it, but does anyone really know what it is? Like all things, love is a frequency. When we incarnate, we're separated from Source. Source is the frequency of unity and love. In unity, love loves itself and other, as there is no separation between the two. As we're born into the separation of duality, we're taken out of the universal flow of love. This separation is very traumatic, and for a while the child is totally dependent upon the parents to provide the love they've been disconnected from. Within a supportive environment of love and acceptance, the child can eventually learn to channel the love frequency from source for themselves. No one can survive, much less thrive, without love. Infants, deprived of love and affection, die with no obvious physical cause. Love is intrinsic to life, and like all indispensable things, it's been ruthlessly exploited. From a young age, we're taught love is to be earned. If you're good you're worthy of love. If you're bad, it's withheld until you're good. In recent years, this tactic has been deemed more humane than the prior spare the rod and spoil the child parenting practices. Personally, I'd rather take a good old-fashioned beating. Early withholding of love and approval produces adults who can't love themselves as they've been taught several devastating things. One, being loved is totally dependent upon our worthiness. Two, 
Our worthiness is determined by outside sources. Three, our merit is totally dependent upon our performance rather than what we are. Four, therefore, we're not lovable the way we are. We end up judging ourselves unworthy of love and thus unable to love ourselves. When we don't love ourselves, we can't attune to the frequency of love to channel it into the world. We're left looking outside of ourselves for the love we need. Now here's the kicker. If we don't love ourselves, we can't love anyone who is anything remotely like us. We look to our opposite to love us. While said opposites attract, they don't work well together. Much energy is expended trying to find common ground in the relationship, leaving very little room to work as a team. Both parties are left feeling misunderstood and unloved, with at least one, if not both individuals, trying to be other than what they are in order to earn the love they need. There's no room for service to the world as the relationship pushes the individual out of their natural expression and consumes all the available substance. If we don't love and accept ourselves the way we are, we're not in tune when true expression. This distorts our natural frequency. Without true expression, we have no hope of attracting a balanced spiritual partnership. What is a spiritual partnership? Spiritual partners are similar and complementary sovereign individuals who can love and accept themselves and each other as they are. Because the individuals have much in common, the relationship requires much less maintenance. This leaves a couple free to support themselves and each other in a common goal. It's much like sound waves in a sound chamber. Two sound waves of equal volume and wavelength, but opposite crests and troughs, when sounded at the same time, result in silence as they cancel each other out. Two identical sound waves broadcast at the same time produce well over twice the volume of one alone. When considering all of this, love thy neighbor as thyself takes on a whole new meaning. Our guest this hour, Dr. Margaret Paul, is a best-selling author and co-creator of the powerful inner bonding self-healing process and the related self-quest self-healing software program. She's appeared on numerous radio and TV programs, including Oprah. Her books are entitled, Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by You? Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by God? Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by My Kids? Healing Your Aloneness and Inner Bonding. After this commercial break, I'll introduce Margaret, and together we'll consider the true meaning of intimacy and love. So don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Prior innovative episodes can always be found on our website, www.thescienceofmagic.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. 
Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. Shamanism is recognized as a method to access the quantum level. Mastery of shamanic skills puts spiritual information and healing power into your hands. Path Home Shamanic Art School, a bonded Colorado certified occupational school, has met rigorous state standards ensuring its director and instructors have the qualifications to teach the shamanic arts. Path Home offers its certification program in blocks of study. Block 1, a five-day intensive, will be held in the beautiful mountain town of Coldale, Colorado, October 13th through 18th, Registration deadline is September 12th. Experience journey trance, power animals, helping spirits, sacred space, and life purpose. Come discover your power. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magical world of shamanism. Call 303-775-3431 or visit findyourpathhome.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Margaret Paul, best-selling author of Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by You? Margaret has a Ph.D. in psychology, is a relationship expert, public speaker, consultant, and artist. She successfully worked with thousands and taught classes and seminars for over 48 years. Margaret's website is margaret at innerbonding.com. Margaret, thank you so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Well, thank you. Um, I'm looking forward. (laughs) Why do you think love is so important in our lives? Well, love, you know, when I say love makes the world go around, love is is what uh, makes us feel um, safe. Love is what gives us connection. Uh, Love is what fills the heart and soul. And, you know, one of the reasons it's so important, like you were saying, to learn to love ourselves is that uh, then we're in a place to share love. You know, so, so many people get together because they want to be loved. And, and then, you know, they meet somebody who also wants to be loved. And for a while, they're giving each other what they want. But inevitably, they're going to disappoint each other because they're not going to give love exactly the way the other person wants and this is one of the reasons it's so important to learn to love ourselves is because then we get filled up with love. We, we're, we're bringing love inside. We're connecting to a higher source of love, uh, filling ourselves, and then we can approach a relationship in order to share love rather than trying to get love, which is a completely different intention. Well, I've got a tough question for you here, Margaret. <laughs> what is love? Well, <laughs> you know, lo- love is love is many things. You know, the Bible says love is gentle, love is kind. Lo- love, love is that which um, makes us feel important to each other, makes us feel safe inside, makes us feel safe with each other. Um, love, to me, love is the energy of the universe. That's that's what spirit is. That's what God is. Is is love, and there's. You know, there's many different definitions. Um, you know, I think I think love is an action as well as a feeling. You know, the actions of love are are kindness and, and caring and and compassion, gentleness, tenderness. Um, certainly, we're not going to feel love by somebody if you know if they're not treating us with that kind of kindness and caring. Um, but as far as you know, defining the experience of love, I mean, that's like trying to define the color red. It's, it's something that when I feel love in my heart, I feel my heart just filled, filled with peace, filled with joy, filled to the brim, um, and, and I want to share it. I want to offer it. I want to give it. I want to, um, you know, we're, we're social beings, and, and we, when we feel that love in our heart, we want to share it, but I think it's, it's not an easy thing to explain. Sometimes I talk about it like a state of grace, 
when, you know, when we feel like everything looks brighter and, and there's a sense of joy inside, that's when I have an experience of love in my heart. It's interesting, isn't it? This this supposedly most powerful um, expression in the universe, this thing that we all, ultimately it's what we're seeking. Whether we think we want to be rich or this or that, it's usually we're looking for love. And yet right. we can't define it, we can't see it, we can't touch it, and we can't even say what it is. I find that pretty fascinating, don't you? I know, but, but you know, like so many things that are important, we can feel it, we can experience it, and... Um, I, I don't. I don't think it's that hard to differentiate between what is love and what isn't love when we tune into our own heart and when we trust what's going on inside of us. Boy, that's the kicker, isn't it? <laughs> so, what what do you think is our greatest misconception about love? Well, I, I think that one of the problems is is that. Uh, if people think that the greatest experience in life is somebody loving them, um, it is receiving love. They they think that that if somebody loves them, then they're going to feel like they're okay. Uh, they're going to feel a sense of worth. They're going to feel safe. Um, they're going to feel um, uh, you know content in, inside. But the problem is, is that that that's a huge mistake. One of the greatest mistakes we can make is is to think that it's getting love that actually brings us joy. The truth is, it's it's loving ourselves, learning to really value our true self, our essence, um, learning to connect with our higher self and bring that love inside, fill ourselves and share it. To me, the greatest experience in life is the sharing of love. And so I think there's a huge misconception that getting love will feel as good as sharing love, and it doesn't at all. It doesn't come close. That's yeah, pretty interesting. So um, how, how do you see people using love to control each other? Well, they're not using love to control. They're using control to control. They may put it under the guise of love. But controlling behavior is really the opposite of loving behavior. People try to control uh, because they, you know, they're trying to get love. That's why they try and control. Um, and they're abandoning themselves. They're, they're not loving themselves. And so they, they feel anxious. They feel distressed. They feel empty. They think they have to get love in order to feel okay. So they, then they, they try and control um, perhaps by overgiving, um, being, being too nice, um, getting angry, Blaming, demanding, um, giving themselves up. You know, there's a lot of ways that people try and control. And, of course, all of these ways that, that come from fear, that come from, from not being loved because they're not loving themselves, um, lead to dysfunction in relationships. You know, one of the most common relationship dysfunction is one person trying to get love by um, demanding, um, being judgmental, being angry, and the other um, resisting or shutting down, withdrawing, in order to not be controlled by the other person. And yet both of these people want love, and yet they're caught in a system, which is a very common system, that, that comes from their upbringing. You know, it may have been what they saw their parents do or other caregivers do. Um, most of us have learned to protect ourselves in various controlling ways. But it's these very controlling behaviors that grind down love. You know, it, it, even, even if you're trying to control by being nice and giving yourself up, uh, that's not actually going to feel loving to the other person. The energy of love is, is, is very different than the energy of compliance or the energy of niceness. Uh, that that we do in order to control. So, if peop- how can you tell if someone's manipulating you um, in and pretending that it's love? And what can you do about it? Well, yeah, one of the ways that we tell is again, the more we do our own inner work, the more we learn to love ourselves and stay tuned into our own feelings and big part loving ourselves 
being present in our body, not in our head. Our, our head doesn't know really a whole lot about whether somebody's manipulating because there's a lot of people that are very good at it. But when you're in your body, you can feel the energy of it. And so the, the more inner work you do to stay present in your body with your feelings, with your intuition, with your inner knowing, uh, the more you can actually feel the, the energy of manipulation. Um, I, I think it's unfortunate that a lot of people on this planet don't trust their inner knowing. They, they use their head instead of their heart and their gut. And um, actually, every successful person knows that they have to rely on their gut for a lot because our, our head is like, like our computer. It, it's just programmed with old false beliefs. And it, it can't let us know whether somebody is manipulating, but our heart and soul can let us know. And so that's in our body. That's not in our head. So the more we learn to stay tuned in, um, the more we can tell right away um, because of the energy of whether somebody's coming from their heart or whether they're coming from their fear and desire to control and manipulate. So it sounds like to me uh, we have a whole bunch of baggage standing between us and our ability to love ourselves. How do we get through this baggage? How do we love? Our, how do you love yourself? Well, you know, this is the process that I teach, which is called inner bonding, and it's a six-step process. If people learn this process and go step-by-step step through it, they will learn to love themselves. It's a process that you can do throughout the day. Um, anytime you're feeling anything other than peace and fullness inside. And with practice, uh, you can move through it in just a few minutes and really get to the point of um, being able to love yourself. And it starts with being tuned into your body, like I was saying, step one, being present in your body and wanting responsibility for your own feelings. Most of us have learned not to take responsibility. We've learned to make others responsible or to ignore our feelings or to judge our feelings or to numb out with various addictions. In step one of inner bonding, we move towards our feelings with kindness and compassion and a desire to take responsibility. And then we move to step two, which is we go into our heart and um, we choose the intention to learn about loving ourselves. In the inner bonding process, there's just the intention to learn or the intention to control, the intention to control. To control is going to, you know, not lead you towards understanding what loving yourself is about. So when we move into an intention to learn, we open the heart. That opens the heart, and that allows our higher self to be present with us. That opens us to our higher wisdom. And then in step three, we, we dialogue. We go inside. We find out how we're treating ourselves, what we're telling ourselves, what our beliefs are, what somebody might be doing in effect as negatively. It's a deep exploration. And once we understand how we're abandoning ourselves, that's causing us to, say, feel anxious or depressed or guilty or ashamed or angry or empty or alone. All these feelings are coming from some form of self-abandonment. Then we go to our higher self. And we ask, what is the truth about any of these false beliefs, and what is loving to ourselves. And with practice, we can access that information. It's not actually that hard. And then in step five, we take whatever action our higher self has instructed us to take. And then in step six, we go back in and we evaluate, how do I feel now? Well, if indeed we've taken a loving action, we're going to feel relief. Uh, we're going to feel lightness. We're going to feel a lessening of, of anxiety or depression or guilt. We're going, Margaret, we're going to have to pick up with this on the other side of a commercial so break. Margaret and I will return to our discussion action. after this short break. You're listening to The Science of Magic on the Exxon Radio Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Previous broadcasts of thought-provoking episodes can always be found on our website, www.thescienceofmagic.net. We will be back, so don't go away.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7, 365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Margaret Paul, best-selling author of Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by You? Margaret, there was an interesting question that came to my mind as we were just being closing out our last segment, and that is, you spoke of higher self. What is our higher self? Well, my, my experience is that um, our soul... Is, um, is a very, very big energy, way too big to fit inside our body. And so a part of our soul is inside, um, kind of in our gut, our inner knowing, our true self. And the rest of our soul is all around us, and that is our higher self. 
And we can imagine that, if you want to use your imagination, as an older, wiser part of ourselves that's here to help us and guide us. And it's my experience that this aspect of our soul, of our higher soul, is is connected to the universe and connected to all the information in the universe. It's just like when you get on the Internet, you get connected to vast information. Our higher self does that. It's like it connects us to the the Internet of the universe. And when we ask a question like, what is loving to myself or what is in my highest good in this situation or what is the truth, then our higher self pops that information into our mind. We start to get ideas. It's a creative process. And it may pop it in through images, through words, through feelings, but um, spirit finds some way of communicating with us when we sincerely ask a question such as, what is loving to me or what is in my highest good? It's not, it's not questions like, you know, what's the lottery numbers? It's, it's, it's questions about, about love and truth. That's what our higher self uh, tends to. That's how our higher self guides us. So how can we tell that these things that just pop into our mind are actually coming from our higher self and not our conditioning or the world around us? Well, you know, we have to test it out. When, when I first started to do this, I, I didn't trust it. I, I thought I was making it up. Or I thought it was just something I had heard or read. And so I had to test it out. And, and you know, we can't just believe something. I, I don't believe in just believing something without testing it out. So, so when I would get these ideas popping in, sometimes I would listen, and I would see what happened. I would do what I was guided to do and see what happened. Sometimes I wouldn't. And over and over again, I was not happy with the results of not following um, that guidance. And so over time, I, I came to know that this guidance is accurate. Wherever it comes from, I, I mean, I can't be certain, but wh- I think it's coming from somewhere in the universe into my mind through my higher self. Uh, but I trust it now because I've seen over the years that it's pretty infallible. It has not guided me in a wrong direction. You know, you were talking about intention. It, it sounds like intention has a lot to do with this. Could you go into that a little bit? What is intention and how do we use it to uh, find our higher selves, say, for instance? Yeah, our, our intention is actually um, one of the most powerful tools we have. Our, our intention is what is most important to us in any given moment. And choo- being able to choose our intention is the essence of free will. So at any given moment... We can choose to be somebody who wants to protect against pain and avoid responsibility for ourselves with all of our addictions and, and other self-abandoning behaviors and all the ways we try and control others. Or we can choose the intention to learn about loving ourselves and ultimately sharing our love with others, the intention to learn about what's truly in our highest good and the highest good of all. And so when we choose that intention, that intention opens us. It opens our being. It opens our heart. It opens our mind. It opens our soul. Whereas the intention to protect against pain closes us down. And, and the problem with that is, is that when we're closed down, we can't um, receive love. We can't feel love coming in from spirit or from others. And so we end up feeling uh, very alone and empty inside. Um, and so the intention to learn about loving ourselves is a, very, is a very, very powerful choice. And it's this choice that raises our frequency. Our frequency is the rate at which we vibrate, and our higher self vibrates at a much higher rate than our physical beings. Our physical beings vibrate at a fairly low frequency so that we can see each other um, spirit vibrates at a higher frequency, so most of us can't see those frequencies. But in order to communicate with spirit, we have to raise our frequency, the frequency of our energy. And the main way that we can do this is by uh, moving into an intention to learn about loving ourselves. Got it. So from what you're saying also, it sounds like one of the things that stands between us and being able to love ourselves is our fear of pain. Well, that's exactly what stands in the way. And 
You know, it's it's very sad because when we were little, there was a lot of pain for most of us. Um, there was the loneliness we might have felt, maybe the grief of loss and the heartbreak, maybe helplessness over both ourselves and, and others. And, and we don't realize when we grow up that while we're still helpless over others, we're no longer helpless over ourselves. Um, when, when we're little and if we don't have parents or caregivers, who know how to manage their painful feelings with love and compassion and don't help us manage our painful feelings with love and compassion, then we have to avoid those feelings because our little bodies are way too small to manage these big painful feelings. Well, then we grow up and we don't realize that we're not operating from little bodies anymore. We're we're grown up and we can learn to manage those feelings. Uh, we don't have to avoid the pain. It's not going to kill us like it might have when we were little. But the problem is most people never learn healthy ways of managing pain. And so they automatically, the minute there's any pain, uh, they disconnect, they dissociate from their body uh, and go up in their head. Um, they they blame it on somebody else. They get mad at somebody. They they turn on the TV and, and you know, and... and and numb out there, they graze in front of the refrigerator, they take a drug. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that people numb out and avoid their pain. And the problem is, is that all of these ways, just like if you had an actual child who came to you in pain, and instead of attending, you gave the child a cookie and put him in front of the TV and went and took a drink, that child might feel pacified for the moment, which is what our addictions do. But it, but the real issue isn't getting handled. And so the child ultimately is going to feel even worse. And that's what happens on the inner level when we ignore our pain. And it, it's really amazing the people that I work with, um, they, they find as soon as they start to open to their pain that they actually feel better rather than worse. They're shocked. But when they open to it with compassion, with kindness, with gentleness then the pain is able to move through us and get released. But when we avoid it, it just gets stuck in our bodies and, and can you know, actually make us sick. Um, un, undigested pain is often a source of illness. And so it's extremely important for us to recognize that we no longer need to avoid it, that we can learn to not only lovingly manage it, but we can learn to learn from our pain because our pain might have a lot to teach us. So life isn't for the faint of heart, you say. <laughs> right, that's right, it's not. You know, um, again, I have a degree in psychology, and one of the most difficult cases, it seems to me, are people that were orphaned, and that original abandonment, and they develop what I think is called detachment disorder, and it really seems very difficult to get these people to come around to where they can love themselves and therefore love others. Um, can you speak to this a little bit? Well, this is where the power of inner bonding is, because yes, um, many, many people, not just people who were orphaned, but people who were um, rejected or abused in many, many different ways, unfortunately, it's quite common. Uh, for people to have, you know, serious attachment disorders where um, they're either very anxiously attached, you know, they're hugely scared of loss or they're avoidant because they're hugely scared of um, of being controlled. And um, it, it does take secure attachment where, where two people are secure in themselves to create a loving relationship. And this is where inner bonding comes in because... The more you practice these six steps and learn to love yourself, learn to see who you really are, learn to value, learn to heal the false beliefs that you absorbed you were, uh, as you were growing up, the more secure you feel inside. And that's what allows you to open um, to a loving relationship, to open and be vulnerable without the, you know, the intense anxiety of, of the loss of other um, when, when we're when we're abandoning ourselves by making somebody else responsible for our feelings, and then that person leaves, that's just really devastating. But when we're taking care of our own feelings, when we've adopted that inner child, that that hurt, orphaned, 
um, abused inner child within, then if somebody leaves, we still feel secure because we have ourselves. We might be sad, but we're not devastated in the same way that we would be when we're abandoning ourselves. And so inner bonding is extremely powerful. Now, I've worked with people who have had the deepest of, of abuse, who were orphaned, who were in foster homes, on and on, who just had horrible, horrible childhoods, who heal and are able to have loving relationships um, because of learning how to love themselves. They, they heal. It, it seems like it's kind of this... Um vicious cycle. Uh, we get hurt. We're afraid of pain, so we avoid our pain. So we get backed up in pain. We can't access our heart or love through the pain. We can't let love in through the pain. So we're in more pain, and round and round we go. Right. Round and round we go. But, <laughs> but we can break the cycle by learning how to love ourselves. Um, one of our inner bonding facilitators, and, and by the way, the, the website is innerbonding.com. I think you gave my email instead. But it's I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, one of our facilitators was um, in tw- over 20 foster homes as a child. Very, very, very um, insecure upbringing. Um, she is now, she's a wonderful facilitator, wonderful parent. She's in a very good relationship. She has three wonderful children. Um, she's, she's doing the work of reaching out to people who have been um, you know, who, who have come from awful childhood, to show, look, you can heal. If I healed, you can heal. And it's, it's her doing her inner bonding work that, uh, before she got married. She started when she was quite young. Um, that has enabled her to be a, um, a good partner and a good parent and a good facilitator. Yeah. You know, it seems like if we can walk through our own pain, we suddenly become the facility for others to do the same. Uh, Margaret and I are going to have to take a break here. We will be back on the flip side of this commercial break. You're listening to The Science of Magic on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, the place where altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric create common ground for the betterment of our world. You can always listen to previous transformative broadcasts on our website, www.thescienceofmagic.net. As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years, an author of four books, and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune in to Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with Spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming, 24-7-365. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. What happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Margaret Paul, best-selling author of Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by You? Margaret, let's talk about looking for love in all the wrong places. 
Well, you know, one of the problems is is that we tend to attract at our common level of woundedness, which is our common level of self-abandonment or our common level of health, our common level of self-love. So if, if we um, are trying to protect and we're abandoning ourselves, we're judging ourselves, we're in our head, we're, we're turning to addictions, we're making others responsible, we are going to attract somebody who's also doing that. And somebody who's doing that is not capable of loving us because they're not loving ourselves uh, themselves. And so, you know, if if you're looking for love without loving yourself, then you are inevitably looking for love in all the wrong places. It, it, it's got to come from inside. It's got to come from spirit first. And then you'll be in a position to share love. And then you're going to be attracting people who are also capable of sharing love. Well, that speaks highly of uh, living a spiritual life, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. But a, yeah. a true spiritual life. You know, there's a lot of people that do a spiritual bypass where <laughs> they, you know, they sort of bliss out, they meditate, they, you know, they, they go up to spirit, but they still completely ignore responsibility for their own feelings. Mm-hmm. And um, th- this can happen a lot. And then they find themselves in a relationship. They can do the spiritual talk. They might do all the spiritual things, but then they find themselves in a relationship, smack into the codependency, into doing their, you know, their same things that they did before because they never learned to love themselves and take responsibility for their own feelings. Uh, many people do a spiritual bypass. Yeah, I call it uh, spiritual denial. <laughs> right. I'm so spiritual, I'm above what I feel, Right. Right. You know, I think we've all observed ourselves or others being drawn out of their natural expression when entering into relationship. Why does that happen, and how can we avoid it? You know, I'm, I'm not clear on, on the question, that we're drawn okay. out of our natural expression. Yeah, we're, we, we're, we are drawn out of acting like we normally do or, or coming from who we really are and start acting according to what we think the other person wants. Well, of course, you see, that's coming from the intention to control. The, the moment that you give yourself up and try to be who you think someone else wants you to be, you're abandoning yourself and trying to control how that other person feels about you. And one of the things that we all need to come to grips with is that we just don't have that control. Uh, certainly we have some influence over how people feel about us, but ultimately Nobody controls um, you and how you feel about others, and nobody controls others and how they feel about you. And so giving yourself up traditionally backfires. Um, Good relationships are based on being honest, being true to ourselves, uh, not on, on giving ourselves up and trying to act in some way in order to control the other person's feelings. Got it. You know, before we get too far into the last segment here, Margaret, would you mind telling people where they can find your books and services? Um, yes, if they go to, well, our, my books are on Amazon, but they're also in the store on our website at innerbonding.com. Um, we have a, a whole lot of free help. We have a free course. Uh, we have a, a lot of articles. Uh, there's also a lot of paid courses. There's a lot of ways that people can learn inner bonding and learn how to be loving to themselves. So I hope that you go to innerbonding.com. Well, thank you for a beautiful free provision. And so many people are mercenary in this day and age. It's wonderful to hear from somebody that offers something for free to help people out. You know, Margaret, I found that, um, you know, when you are standing in your true self and you're around a bunch of people that aren't, which is if you're standing in your true self, use the court case. Okay. So I found that oftentimes individuals are not really comfortable with all that I am. And so I find myself sharing only the parts they can be comfortable with or accept. But however, what I do share is genuine. How does this differ from changing what a person is for another person? Well, um, this is taking care of yourself. You see, if, if you're um, not sharing a lot because you realize these people are not open, that's really coming from wanting to love yourself, like if you imagine that, you're, that the feeling part of you is an inner child, you're not putting that inner child out on a firing line 
to be judged by all these people. You're tuning into the fact that they're not all open, and you're being discerning. And being discerning is very, very important. It's not at all the same thing as giving yourself up to try and control. You're, you're, you're taking care of yourself in that situation rather than trying to control the other, pe- uh, the other people. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. It's like uh, many facets, but the same light shining through. Right. <laughs> so, you know, in the beginning of the show, I spoke of sovereignty. And we often think of truly sovereign individuals as not needing anyone. How do you think personal sovereignty supports balanced and loving supporting relationships? Well, first of all, it's a, it's a myth that we don't need other people. We, we are hardwired to need each other. We are hardwired to be social beings. And um, we can certainly become independent in terms of learning to love ourselves and taking responsibility for our feelings. And codependency is what doesn't work, but interdependency is what works. We're, we're there for each other. We're supporting each other. We're sharing with each other. Um, we have each other's backs. Uh, we play together. We make love together. Uh, we have fun together. We cry together. We need each other for all of these things. And um, so... You know, I don't, I don't see it as being sovereign in terms of I don't need anybody. As far as being isolated. Of, yeah, when I have to take something care of myself, and I can really be in connection with others. It seems like so many of our relationships are inside out and backwards. Instead of tapping into the frequency of love, moving it through ourselves into the world, and therefore showing up with our baggage full, <laughs> what we're doing is trying to suck it out of the world around us, never being able to receive it. Is this what you're seeing as well? Yeah, that's right, and it's so sad. And that's what these people feeling empty and feeling alone and feeling lonely and 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 anxious, depressed because because they're they're they are looking for somebody else to give them what they need to be giving themselves. And sometimes people will feel like well, if they didn't get it, it's they were children. Uh, then they, they, somebody else somebody else has to give it to them as an adult, but that's a big false belief. The only one who can give it to us is us as adults. Now, that's not to say that others can't help us, that their love isn't wonderful, but um, others' love has to be the icing on the cake. We have to create the basis for that. Um, Our love and our taking responsibility is the cake, and then others is the icing. But if we're not loving ourselves, we have no foundation for receiving love from others. Uh, it's very sad that I've, I've worked with people who, uh, for example, were in a marriage with somebody who really was loving them, was really there for them. But because they were um, abandoning themselves, um, they, you know, they didn't feel deserving of the love, and they were very controlling, and they eventually got divorced, thinking it was the other person. And then they start to do inner bonding, and they think, oh, my God, I let go of this wonderful, loving relationship because I wasn't loving myself, not because that person wasn't loving me. That's really the sad part is, you know, we're taught to believe that um, it's our job to make our partner happy. And you've heard this, there's no pleasing you. Well, if you, if you aren't present with yourself, there is no pleasing a person because you're trying to fuel yourself without plugging the, the, the cord into the wall. You can't turn the light on. You've got to plug into That's source right. first, exactly and nobody right. can give that to anyone else. And that's pretty much what you've been saying the last hour, right? Right. That's exactly right. And so, you know, I really encourage people to, um, to learn inner bonding. It's very, very life-changing. The people who I work with, I work with thousands of people over the years all over the world. Um, these people who are practicing inner bonding, and many of them um, just learn it free through the books and, and, and through the website. It's life-changing. I hear from them all the time about uh, how their lives have completely changed, their relationships have changed because of learning to love themselves and take responsibility for their feelings. Got it. Got it. Well, this has been so enlightening, and I think it's kind of reframed how we look at love, and I think that's a reframing that really, really needs to happen, don't you? Oh, absolutely. It does need to happen. Um, Margaret, um, 
Thank you so much for being on the program with us. We have about half a minute. Do you have something you want to share? Well, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to share interbonding with your audience, and I hope you all um, go to the website and take our free course and, and start this life-changing process. Thank you so much, Gwilda. You've been a, a wonderful host. Well, Margaret, thank you for your beautiful, beautiful work in the world. And I would advise people start learning to love themselves as soon as possible. That's what makes the world go round, right? <laughs> Our right. guest this hour has been Dr. Margaret Paul. She's the best-selling author of Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by You? Also, she says, Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by God? That could be interesting. Or Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by My Children? Margaret's website, www.innerbonding.com. This has been The Science of Magic. Remember, you can always listen to past thought-provoking episodes on our website, www.thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and embrace universal love. Shut